representative among us in the different families today. We ask, Lord, that you would just minister by the power of your spirit. Have your way in each need, Lord, according to the need that is there, Lord, you know what is needed. So we ask you to minister by the power of your spirit. Have your way among us. And we'll honor you in all things. In your name we ask it. Amen. Bless you as you're seated. We welcome you today. Sit with the seats and each and every one of you that have come together to the of the Lord today to take opportunity to worship with us. Those that are visiting, we welcome you today. I want to welcome a couple of special individuals today, Annie and George. And George tells me, sitting from Summerford, and when we were in Summerford, we were praying for him, and he was pleased to announce this morning that since he was there last, which was about, what, two or three months ago, he'd given his heart to the Lord. So let's rejoice with him. They're sitting right in the back there, they come over from Broadway when they're over there visiting with your family. Just draw your attention to a couple of announcements in your bulletin. First of all, for Jump Start, the Men's and Ladies Conference coming up on uh, April 7th, 8th, and 9th. The details are in your bulletin. There will be a sign-up from uh, for individuals of our assembly. We do need to know if you are planning to attend or not, and uh, so we can prepare meals of that accordingly. So there will be a sign-up table this evening, Aaron Foyer, or probably at the end of the service that we invite you to take the opportunity to, to let us know that you do plan to attend that conference that's coming up there. Also, prayer chain is this week coming, beginning midnight tonight. There's still lots of spaces left on that list, so if you would take a moment to uh, select the time that you can take the opportunity to uh, join together with this assembly in prayer, looking at prayer chain. Also, for individuals that have been new to the assembly, have uh, joined our assembly in this past two years, whether that's by uh, getting saved and joining the assembly or moving into the assembly, or if you're from Cormac and uh, moving over into our assembly just recently, then again, Tracy is at a table there. We would ask you to let her know your intentions for the upcoming meal. Date is not uh, specifically set for that yet. We're still trying to get numbers and so on. So we do need your assistance there in letting us know that. And, and maybe you say, well, I know I've been here for two years. I don't want to attend the meal. But we'd still like to identify with you. So who would uh, see Tracy at the table there on the way out or again uh, coming into one of our services today, then we'd appreciate that very much. Other announcements in your bulletin, you can take note of these before you pass it down as an announcement as well. Thank you, Pastor Coles. I just have a couple of quick announcements. Um, we received something in the mail uh, a couple of, uh, well, last week, I believe it was. And uh, this is an award of appreciation to uh, Emmanuel Pentecostal Church, Deer Lake, for missions and kids. If you'll remember, last year we had a fundraiser where Craig uh, Andrews, who is our Sunday School Superintendent, and myself, we had uh, we had a fundraiser where we got pies in the face. If kids could come, and when they raised a thousand dollars, we would get pie. And so uh, we got an award, in the uh, an award of appreciation, and on there uh, it says your financial gift of twelve. $121.29 was ranked number 24 of all missions of kids supporters across Canada. So our church, and that, uh, get a pie in the face, we want to be So I think that's, uh, that's pretty significant, and I would like to, uh, to extend my congratulations to Sunday School and Craig for 
for that. That's quite an accomplishment. Also want to mention, uh, as part of our Sunday school, we have our parenting class. I want to remind you of that. We had a lot of people there this morning. Uh, in fact, we may have to look for a bigger room because we were pretty, uh, we were getting chinched in there. So we're doing a, uh, we started a, uh, we started a uh, study called The New Kid by Friday by Dr. Kevin Lehman. So if you'd like to come and join us, uh, we would love for you to, uh, love for you to join us. Uh, as well, I want to mention this. On Sunday nights, we've been uh, encouraging families. Our earlier start time, we want to encourage families to come and join us. I think it's very important for uh, us to, uh, to be together as families uh, on Sunday evening because we want, to, uh, want our kids to uh, experience the presence of the Lord uh, on our Sunday, in our Sunday evenings. And so we have uh, these folders. They're out in the foyer on the welcome desk. These are sermon notes for kids. The way it works at each service, Sunday morning or Sunday evening, uh, your kids can fill out these forms, and then when they get six completed, they bring them back, we sign them, and they get a treat. So, uh, I know some of your adults are probably going to be picking these up here too, but that's for, just for the kids. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, these are there. If you would like one, if you're a, if you're a child, uh, and you would like one of these, you'd like to be involved in that. There are folders that look like this,
Thank you,
praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>
Let's all, let's all, let's all, let's all, let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to dismiss the children. We want them to join with these prayers. We pray for our children. We thank you for those that are serving you. Any of those that are not yet serving you, we pray that they would come to that point, that they would be lived to that point. By their parents or by their teacher, that they would be brought into the gospel as a child. There are many amongst us here today, Father, who were brought to you when they were children. And you said that you would open their hearts and that they would know you. Thank you for making this gospel so simple that even a child can understand it and embrace at least at the starting point, which is the cross. And so we pray that you would minister, that you would bless, that you would touch, that you would anoint, that you would be glorified from the fruit of the labor of these laborers that speak to these children today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Got a question for you? I'm going to start with the question. How many do we have here? And I don't want a show of hands. Or maybe I should ask for a show of hands. I'm not sure. How many do we have who are filled to the full with a piece of God? I mean, you've got so much peace of God ruling your heart and your life that you don't know what to do with it. Your spirit and your soul and your mind are chinched full of the peace of God because the Bible tells us it is available to us and how much of the peace of God that rules your life at this particular point is your is in your hands the ball is in your court it is not up to the Lord it is up to you the Lord has made provision the Lord has provided how much of it you partake of he leaves up to you and so I want to ask you again don't answer too quickly think it through for a moment sometimes we just we just answer too quickly how much of the peace of God rules your heart and your mind how much of the peace of God because I, I'm asking that because the Word of God he, you know there's a a, a, a fascinating promise. All eyes on me. Now, never mind people moving around. Because what I got is a better offer. And what is that? There is a fascinating promise in the Bible. And we're going to read it. Put it up if you would in, in Isaiah. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now that's either true or it's not true. And if you're not walking in it, we should ask why. If we don't possess the perfect peace that God gives, the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is why? Why am I only walking in a little bit of peace? Why doesn't there seem to be very much peace at all? Why am I so overwhelmed with peace that people, you know, Christians who walk in the perfect peace that God provides is a powerful witness to a turbulent world. God wants His church to be different from the world in the sense that His church causes heads to turn. His people are so in touch with Him and so genuine, genuine 
of the peace of God, regardless of the turbulence that is swirling around about them, so full of the joy of the Lord that is written on your face, and you don't even know it, but people notice it, and that becomes attractive. The peace of God is available to us. The amount that we possess is our responsibility. It is not God's responsibility. God has made it our responsibility. I want you to understand it. Thou, He, the eternal God, will keep him or her in perfect peace. What a promise is, what kind of a promise is that? Now I'm not preaching foolishness, I'm not preaching psychology, I'm not preaching think a certain way and hope and positive thinking. No, no, I'm, if I'm preaching psychology, it's biblical psychology. You say, what's biblical psychology? Biblical psychology is the truth of the Word of God. And by the way, the psychology, any truth that a psychologist has discovered is God's truth. Because all truth is God's truth. They're just discovering parts and portions of it as they study their brains out. Any true revelation of truth comes from God. Whether it's to the psychiatrist or the psychologist, God owns it all. The God is the God of the natural as well as the supernatural. Amen? And we ought to give Him glory for doctors and people who can help us and have some understanding and so on. Thank God for them. But yet the Word of God is the foundation of our lives. Either that's true or it's not true. And if that's not true, let's close our Bibles and go home and have a snack. Let's join the world in their unbelief. He will keep, I, I will keep him, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. What kind of a promise is that? Perfect peace. Not just peace. Perfect peace. That's the promise. There it is. It's on the table. What are you going to do about it? Perfect peace. How many, do you know how many people in this world are looking for peace? They don't even believe that perfect peace exists. Just give me some peace. Just give me some peace of mind. My life is in a turmoil. And, and if it's not in a turmoil right now, this world is filled with turmoil and turbulence and, and, and fear and doubt and pain and all the rest of it. Right? And if we're not, if, they say, if, if I'm at peace right now, that's why people are driven to drugs. That's why people are hooked on the illicit pleasures of the world, trying to find some satisfaction and some peace. And when they find that that well is empty, they move on to another well. Well, I'm here to give you the good news that perfect peace is found in Jesus Christ. And you can walk in its fullness. Never mind walking in that. In a, that's the problem, you see. We as the Church of God have not yet learned to walk in its fullness. We're only walking in dreams and traps here and there. We're only walking in a little bit here and there. And sometimes the world looks at us in, in the midst of the turbulence of our lives that happens around about us. And they look at us and they say, they're no different than me. They're coming apart at the seams. Look at the trouble that has hit their home. Look at their situation. And they're coming to pieces. And they say that they trust in this God, in, in Jesus Christ, and He gives perfect peace. Perfect 
in the soul of a Christian who stands for Jesus Christ is a powerful sermon without one word ever being spoken. God wants us to walk in the peace for two reasons. Because, he's, because we're his children and he wants us to have peace. And because that peace is a powerful thing that he gives us to be a witness and to draw people to Jesus Christ. We live in a world where we hear all the time, if I could just have some peace of mind, you know why our mental institutions are, are jammed full? Well, one reason is to just search for some peace of mind that don't know Jesus. You, you know why people, you know why people, you know why the busiest place in Deer Lake is, is Lawton's Drugs? Oh, or sorry, it could be shoppers too. We got people working and shoppers as well. You know why Lawton's and shoppers are the busiest place next to the doctor's office? You know why? People are searching for relief. They just want relief from their ailments. And I don't blame them. Who wants to live in ailment? But there is no torment like the torment of the mind. There is no pain like the pain of the mind. How many know that the, listen to me, church, the primary battlefield is the mind. The primary, not the only, but the primary battlefield is the mind. If I can control your mind, I can control your behavior. Satan knows it well. If I can control your mind and take away your joy and bring you into depression, I will control you. I will have control of you. And, and that's why the Bible says that being saved and we are transformed into God's image by the renewing of the mind. The, 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 the church needs to be reminded that the only power, or certainly the largest power, that the devil has over us as God's people is the power of the lie. The attack is always on the mind. First, not always, I understand that. And so, it's good for us to look into the truth of God's Word where He gives us answer and what He wants us to walk in. Peace is, listen to this, you say, oh, that sounds good, I'd like to have some of that. Peace is the absence of turmoil deeply rooted in the soul. While it is a flat calm internally, while there is violent turbulence swirling externally around about us. That's the peace that God gives us and promises to us. How many know, and I shouldn't ask the question because we all do. Who wouldn't want to walk in this peace? It doesn't remove the violence of the sinful world that we live in. It is a, the Bible tells us this is a God-given peace. The world cannot produce it. It tries in many ways, but this, he said, my peace I give unto you, not the peace that the world gives. There's a little bit of peace. Oh, if I could just get a little bit. I just want some relief. Give me that toke. I just want some relief. I need to snort some coke. I just need some, for, from, some, some relief from this. You've passed the bottle. Turn up the TV. Give me another game. 
with my thoughts. People are searching for peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He brings peace. He is the peace. And we celebrate the fact that we possess the Prince of Peace in our hearts, no doubt about it. This peace that I'm speaking of this morning, as I said, is God-given, can't be produced. It is not natural. It's not a natural peace. It's not something you can work up and say, if I can just join a yoga class and own my way into, into self-centeredness and, 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 and get to the center of my being. Listen, you don't need to get to the center of your being. That's where all the sin is. You need to get to the center of the divine being. People are looking for the answer. If you could just go internally and get to the center, there's a there's a there's a calm in there. The answer is not found in self-consciousness. Jesus tells us in the word self is the problem. You're only becoming more consciously aware of the problem. Out of man's heart flow iniquity and deceitfulness and sin and lust and violence. These things are in a man and they come out of him. And so if we join some yoga class or some trans-dental trans, uh, meditation and we begin to look on the inside, that's not your answer. And by the way, yoga is not just an exercise class. It is directly in conflict with what the scripture says. What's that? You don't look inwardly, you look outwardly. If you, look, if you look inwardly, you're going to discover how ugly you really are on the inside. If you look honestly, how that ugliness needs to be changed. Our hearts are corrupt. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Is that what you want to discover? I guess it's okay if it'll lead you to Christ. The good news is that he removes all of that. When you come to him, he erases all of that. I guess the bad news, and what do you want first, the good news or the bad news? What do you want first, the bad news or the well, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the bad news. The bad news is if, you, if you're not saved, you can't find this peace that I'm talking about. You may, some, you may find some temporary, temporary relief offered in some drug or some drink. You might find relief, but you can't find deep peace, lasting peace, deeply rooted in the soul. Only comes through Christ. It is not natural, it's supernatural. Here's the news. And it is only for Christians. It is only, only the blood buck can taste of this wine. It is only for those who are in Christ. Because he is the peace. Actually everything that you're looking for is in him. Amen. You're looking for wisdom? It's in him. You're looking for peace? It's in him. You're looking for joy? It's in him. You're looking for strength? It's in him. 
Maybe you're traveling down the wrong road. Maybe you're, maybe you're tuning into the wrong channel. Maybe you need to change channels. Maybe you need to turn to Christ. If you're not saved here this morning, you say, what biblical premise do you have for saying that, Pastor? Listen to Isaiah 57, powerful verse. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith God, to the wicked. And as I said, this is a tremendous promise from God's Word, but I want you to understand this. This is what we call a conditional promise. You know what that means? I'll give it to you on one condition. It's available to you on condition. I will, I will do this for you on condition that you do this. If the condition is not met, don't expect the fulfillment of the promise. There are promises in God's Word. Many of them are built on condition. It is designed that way. God's not stupid. You can pull the wool over God's eyes. If you do this, I will do this. If you do not do that, I will not do that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That's a conditional promise. If they do not humble themselves and pray and commit themselves to prayer, I will not hear from heaven, neither will I heal their land. There are promises in the Word of God that are not conditional. He just promises that He'll do it, and he, if He said He'll do it, He'll do it, and it doesn't depend on what you do at all. Now, there are promises in the Word of God like that. But many of God's promises hold conditions, and this one, certain, this one certainly does. I will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me. I will keep him, he says. And now I want you to get that. Don't skip over that too quickly. I will be the one that does the keeping. I will be the one God says. And if God says it, he always comes through. I will be the one that will do this for you if. I will, I will make sure. I will do my part. God always does it. I'll do my part if, if you do your part. I always say it. You've heard me say it many times. The biggest word in the Bible is if. Two letters. If. If you will come to me, if you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you will respond, I will respond. If you will come to me, I will come to you. Draw, if you draw nigh unto God, God will draw nigh unto you. Another conditional promise. Draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. Don't draw nigh unto God and He won't draw nigh unto you. So much of what God promises is in our hands. So much of the fulfillment of the promises, He places the ball in our court. What are you going to do with it? Well, if we act upon it, He will fulfill His promise. If we do not act upon it, we wonder why we're stumbling around lots of times. We look and say, why God? How come God? And God's saying, you haven't done your part yet. I'm anxious. I'm anxious to deepen your walk and to deepen your peace and to fill you with power and joy and all the rest of it. You haven't done your part yet. A powerful promise with quite a condition attached to it. But what he says is, I will keep you. In other words, it's not something that you'll have to do at all. 
It's, it's something, it's not something that you will ever have to strive to get. Oh, if I could just do, if I could just strive to get a little bit of peace. No, no, he says, I, I got the answer right here. It's all yours. Come and get it. It's all yours. It's, I'll give it to you. I promised it to you. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to work yourself up and get yourself in a certain frame of mind and decide that you're going to follow 100, you know, 101 steps to get more peace and 201 ways to fast and not, you know, not tell a joke in order to get whatever. I'll give it to you. It's free gift. If, if. He's challenging us, isn't it? He's challenging us. He always does in his word. He says, I'll give it to you. It'll be kind of like a, that's not something you'll have to work up or strive. It'll be kind of like a, a byproduct of serving Jesus. It's just been there automatically. If you do it my way, it'll just, it'll just show up. That's it. It'll just be there. Dude, where'd that come from? Praise God. I feel so full of peace and joy. Well, yeah, you're doing what God requires. Some of you, God is requiring you to repent. Some of you, God is requiring that you go to them, brother. Some of you, God is requiring let go of that bitterness. Some of you, God is requiring To let go of some things in your life in order to give God time. And we wonder why when we are so, we so busy ourselves, even in the work of the Lord, church. We get so busy ourselves that we miss the Savior himself. I'm so busy doing for him that I don't have even time to talk to him. My schedule is so busy. Well, God is calling. If you would just cut something out. And by doing so, show me that I am priority. And I'll respond to that. But if you do not, then you persist in being so busy and busying yourselves in what we call bettering ourselves. then don't expect God to respond. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Because the scripture is clear. You don't even have to pray about it. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. That don't only mean money. That means every avenue of life. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. He that soweth sparingly in that area shall reap sparingly in that area. He that soweth bountifully in that area shall reap bountifully in that area. We materialistic Western Christians automatically assume that that means giving money. If I give a little bit of money, I get a little bit back. If I give a, a bountiful amount of money, then God will give me a bountiful amount back. Now it does include finance. We can't eliminate it. It does. God wants us to be blessed financially and it does include that. But it includes every other area of our lives. And I think the number one thing that the devil has hoodwinked us under is our time. 
our time. The amount of time that we are willing to invest in seeking the Lord consistently and regularly. Never mind this pop in and I'll fast and pray just long enough to see if I can get what I want and then I'll drop back to average again. The call is to excellence. He doesn't want us to be a child. He wants us to be a good child. He doesn't want to, He wants us to be excellence. That's what Paul was talking about when he says it. I, he says, I strive for the, for, Paul says, I strive to obtain. Obtain what? Not salvation. You can't strive to obtain salvation. Salvation is a gift. You can't strive to get a gift. It's not a gift. If you strove for it, you earned it. <coughs> and salvation is a gift. So what's he talking about? I strive to obtain the prize. Lest I be disqualified, I strive to be. He, you know what he's saying? Ah, oh, when it comes to my standing before God, I want to be on the honor roll. <coughs> I'm striving to be on the honor roll, not just to get in the class. That's what he says. Salvation is free, but you and I strive for the outer garment. You know what I'm talking about? If you were here last Sunday night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? If you weren't here and you were decided, well, you just didn't want to go, you're going to stay home and watch TV, shame on you. That's a part of striving. That's part of the thing that we're letting go a little bit, slip a little bit in the church. Our forefathers had it. They strove to be in church whenever the doors were open. Why? Because they were mechanic? No, 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 because they loved Jesus with all their heart and they were proven that they're going to do everything they deserve. Everything. Even the sacrifice. The unrest. My Lord, no. My Lord, no, he's not touching on my sacred cow. No, I'm there. He says, I will put it in you. And here's the condition. Alright? Actually, it's pretty simple. We either do it or we don't do it. It's as simple as that. We either commit to it or we don't. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just like marriage. You're either committed to investing in the marriage, whether it's troublesome or not. It's a commitment. Our culture tells us it's a feeling. We don't know what to do anymore. We're not confused, you know? Well, I don't know if I love him anymore. You don't know if he loves me. And, and you know, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He loves me. <laughs> I feel good about it, I feel horrible. I love him, I think he's the greatest. I think he's the biggest turkey that ever was. <laughs> Back and forth she goes. That's when you need to stick to commitment. <laughs> married 33 years to the same woman. I got the experience. She knows what I'm saying is true. She knows I'm the dirt. 
She's too sweet to say amen. <laughs> Here's the condition to having the perfect peace of God put in your heart and you and him staying in there. Here's the word. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, mind, I remind you again that the mind is the number one battlefield, whose mind is stayed on him. It is, the, listen, the battle is won or lost in the mind before it's ever won or lost in any external behavior. Always won in the, in the mind first. The devil knows it well. It would be smart for you to. And to guard your mind. I pray sometimes, Lord, help me. Put an angel on the door, on the doorway of my mind, like the angel that you put, the Bible says you put a fiery angel in the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there, and the and held a sword and kept them from coming back to the tree of life. Life. I say, Lord, put that same angel in another one equal power or greater on this old mind. Keep us from the evil one. Amen? <coughs> that is in the mind. That's why Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the knowledge of the truth that you know will set you free. So it's not actually truth that sets you free. It's the knowledge of the truth that sets you free. You shall know the truth. I'll make sure that you know the truth. And the knowledge of the truth that you know is the what that, that is what will be actually setting you free. And it does. And we know it does. He will keep me in perfect peace. I emphasize that again. Perfect peace. Really? Come on, Pastor. Is that there or was that, did the translators make a mistake? Isn't perfect peace as hard to, it's really hard to obtain. I mean, you know, now listen to me. I know I'm preaching something that's an ideal. But because it's God's ideal, it doesn't mean that you're not meant to strive for it. It is an ideal that you and I are to strive for because it is obtainable. It is, you can walk and live in it. It is obtainable. God would never promise you something that was unable for you to attain. Obtain, that would be foolish. There it is. Are we willing to invest in what it needs, in what we need to do? Are we willing to say, whatever it takes, dear God, I'll pluck up, I'll cut down, I'll cut off. in order to obtain the perfect peace that you're promising. Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to sacrifice some things? Some average things in order to bring about some better? That's the question. Are we willing to strive to be holy? Holy? Holy. God is holy. You were here last Sunday morning. You would have heard that too. God is holy. And he expects holiness from his children. Nothing but. We have to strive to be holy. Living, pleasing, 
in the sight of God what the scripture calls the beauty of holiness. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind, here's, here's what we've got to do, whose mind is stayed. There it is. Steady. Fixed. Brought into captivity. On the stay. It's kind of like a ship that's tossed to and fro in the water. And, you know, steady, steady, steady. Oh. Stay, stay, stay. I got a little puppy home, I'm used to saying that. Stay. Stay. Steady, steady, steady. Don't, don't, don't go to the left. Come on, back again. That sound like Christian life to you. Oh, you go a little too far here. Now come on now, haul in your horns. Admit you're wrong. Come on, steady back. Back, level up a bit. Stay, steady, fix. That's not God's job. That's your job. If that's God's job, then the, then the writers of the New Testament were wasting their time. One third of the New Testament is instruction on how you and I should live and what our responsibility is and what God wants us to do because of what he's done in us and because, what, because we love him. Now that you're saved, because you love him, this is what you need to get rid of. Now that you're saved, now that you're a child of God, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to stop doing. You need to zip this up a little bit from time to time. You need to not speak on certain times. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. You need to walk in self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Controlling yourself. Controlling your urges. Controlling your behavior. Controlling your speech. Controlling your thoughts. All to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit comes to assist you as you control yourself. Stop leaving it all to God and get to work. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit and be a new creation that's pleasing to God. Not just a child, but a pleasing child. Amen? Bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What kind of thoughts? Well, lustful thoughts. Fear. Doubt, unbelief, worry. Now I know I understand this is more of a challenge for other people than it is for some. And nonetheless, it is for all. His job is to keep us in perfect peace. Our job is to stay our minds. Let me tell you something, that's not an easy job. Not an easy job to stay in mind. <coughs> the mind, the thoughts, prone to wander. Listen, Lord. Prone to wander? Well, that one place that you're more prone to wander than anybody else is over there. Some of you are wandering while I'm preaching. I can see it on your face, you're wandering. I wonder, you're wandering. I wonder what's for the... 
some of you, the devil is, you know, as they say, sits on your shoulder. That's what they say. Maybe actually sits there, but you know what I mean. So listen to that fellow up there right in the rain. What's he getting out there? I got, I got, when's he going to get tuned into the real world? I got, I got deals to make. I got business to do. I got money to make. I got to better myself. I got, I got to get out of here. I got, you know, I got to beat the Salvation Army to earn. <laughs> All kinds of silly stuff. Some of it is humorous when you think about it. But it's effective. It's effective. Right? It's effective. You ever wonder why it's so difficult? You know, you have all the intentions in the world to read the Bible until you start to read the Bible. All the intentions in the world to pray until you prayer time comes around. All the intentions in the world are signed in the prayer chain until your half hour comes around. Oh, interesting. Can't get into that. Bear with me, almost there. And this piece will be yours to the, to the degree that you stay in mind. He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. He that soweth unto the flesh shall reap the flesh. He that soweth unto the spirit shall reap unto the spirit. He that stayeth his mind a little will be stayed in peace a little. He that stayeth in his mind upon the Lord a lot will reap great peace. The ball is in your court. If you're not living with the amount of peace that you are living with in the depth of your soul, <clears throat> you can blame that on yourself, not God. Or at least after this morning, up to this point you might have been, you might have been able to claim that you're unaware. Not unaware anymore. Now you're responsible. Amen. Perfect peace means perfect stay. As I said, this perfect peace is available to the Christian only. But I do want to say this before I close this morning. This peace is available. It's available to all. It's not only available to the, to the Christian and not to the one that's unsaved. It's available to the unsaved as well. If they become a Christian. Understand what I'm saying? If you do it God's way. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you begin to invest your life and your heart and your goal in, in pursuing the Lord. And to the degree that you do will be the degree of His anointing and the degree of His love and the degree of His peace. And if you sow much, you'll reap much. If you sow little, you reap little, even though you're saved. Salvation is free, but it will cost you much to carry the anointing. Salvation is free, but it will cost you more to carry the perfect peace. Consistently, regularly, no matter where you are. Deep, settled peace in my 
while there is a violent turbulence all around the focus. You see, almost like the eye of a hurricane, straight up through it. You see the face of our God. If we surrender to Christ, and if we stay our minds on Him, we can live permanently in the perfect peace of God. It's available to all who are hungry enough to go after it. For some, He can be a passing thought. For others, it can be a convenience that they tap into only during times of trouble. And to others, he may be a small part of their busy lives, but not all that much. But then to some, he can be their obsession. They can be consumed by him. The fire comes down upon the sacrifice. The fire of his presence consumes sacrifice. Sacrifice. Does God require sacrifice? Not for salvation. There is only one sacrifice for salvation. And it is the all-sufficient sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. But he does require sacrifice for those who will grow in him. And to the degree that they will grow in him. And to the degree that they will carry an anointing. And to the degree that the words will be effective to those that they speak to throughout the week. And to the degree that they'll be walking in the, mid, in the midst of turbulent storms with deep peace in their soul is the degree to which they have sacrificed. <laughs> to some... He's a part of their life. To others, he's their life. Which one are you? To some, they want no part of him in their lives. To others, he's become a part of their busy lives. More of a convenience than anything. In case I'm in a jam. What they call fire insurance. And to others, they have seen his glory. The Holy Spirit has shown them. Because they have sacrificed. Because they have pursued. Because they have persevered. Because they have pressed in. The Holy Spirit has shown them the glory of Jesus. They know the deep peace of God. They walk in the deep peace of God. They know the fullness of joy. Nothing at all shall hurt them or harm them. No matter what and how pressing the devil is and the circumstances of life and the howling wolves of demonic activity around about them, it cannot take them down. There is a place where devils fear to tread. It's the place of sacrifice. Are you willing to make it? That's between you and God. I'm going to ask musicians if they would come, please. I don't know what we can sing. Maybe the old hymn. I always go back to old hymns. I must be no. Your 58, my birthday. Thanking you in advance for courage. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
good? We're going to sing Leaving on the Everlasting Arms. Because the hymns that I thought about that I wanted to sing about peace, they're just too difficult to sing. So I'm going to sing an easy one. Because I'm tired of preaching. Just being transparent and honest. Let's all stand. If you are living a life that is absolutely miserizing, it is so turbulent that you're about to take your own life. And I don't say that lightly. It is so messed up, it is so turbulent, you can't find any peace. Everything has just come apart at you. It seems you just, you're just hanging on for dear life. You don't know any of what I'm talking about, but the peace and the joy. That's a lot of God. I want you to know that it's still available. It's available in Christ if you're willing to repent. If you're willing to come and repent of your sin and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you are, He will. You step out of your seat and you say, I don't care how many people are here. I'm just sick and tired of living this way. I need to straighten some things out with God. I need to make things right with the Lord. This is between me and God. This is not between me and the missus or me and the church or me and my family. This is between me and God. I need to make things right. If that's you, and i got a funny feeling that there are those here this morning like that. If that's you, step out of your seat and come and stand here. And God, by His power, will erase the turbulence. Or at least it will give you such a deep peace in your soul that the turbulence won't affect you in the same way. He'll give you peace in your heart. If you want peace that only He can give, you come on. You stand here. Let's sing together. Leaning on the everlasting. You come on the everlasting. 